Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. I'll be hosting this episode myself. I am a proven leader with over 23 years of diverse experience designing, delivering, and supporting software and technology projects. I believe in giving back to my community, and I enjoy networking and helping to grow Alberta's innovation ecosystem. Creatively, you will find me pursuing my passions of photography, podcasting, and woodworking, along with the occasional round of golf. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Michael Robinson. Here we go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast. Today, my special guest is Michael Robinson. Michael is a professor and Chen Fong Fellow in Entrepreneurial Finance at the Haskane School of Business. Hey, Michael, thank you for joining me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on your show. Awesome. You know, I'd, uh, I'd really like to hear, because you've been doing this for a long time at the Haskane School of Business, but I'd like to know, maybe if we could rewind a little bit before that and talk a bit about your background, sort of like where you came from and how you ended up at the Haskane School of Business, and then maybe talk a little bit about your role there and what you do. Sure. Happy to do that. And thank you for rewinding my life for me here. <laughs> I um, actually am a technology guy to start with. So I don't know if you knew that, but my undergrad degree is computer science, math computers from University of Waterloo. So I was a computer programmer, systems analyst uh, back in the early 80s. I worked on some projects that are still around today. Uh, I was number four employee of a company called Telluride, and we created the Telluride system, which if you call the bus stop, will tell you when your bus is going to show up. So it's still in use today. Yeah. So I was pr- proud of that. But I got a little bit uh, dismayed at being just a programmer, if you will. And I thought the world might be bigger. So I wanted to become a manager. I wanted to learn how to be an effective manager in the software industry. So I went to the Ivy Business School to do my MBA to become a manager. And I got excited about finance when I was doing that. And I switched and I continued, completed my MBA and then did my PhD there in finance and taught for a few years in Ontario at Wilfrid Laurier University. Then an opportunity came up here out in Calgary and it's been a wonderful opportunity. I've really enjoyed working here. Um, I've had some interesting uh, transitions in my career, if you will, in the sense that I uh, came here as sort of an investments professor. I taught investments, investment management portfolio theory, became a chartered financial analyst. And then I got interested in different kinds of worlds. So I started to become an angel investor, not a, not a successful one as it turns out. But as a result of that experience, I thought I'd like to learn more about how to do this effectively. So I took a leave of absence from the university. Uh, there's something in our collective agreement. You get over the age of 40 and you've got tenure. You can leave your job for three years and you don't get paid. It's not like a sabbatical, but you get to do whatever you want to do and then maybe come back or not come back. It's your decision. So I went out and I worked in venture capital. I worked with the Business Development Bank of Canada's VC division here in Calgary. And then I worked after that for a period of time, helping companies try and raise capital. So I got really excited about that ecosystem, about how companies raise capital, how you help early stage companies grow and develop. And so I came back to the university. The timing of my venture capital career was not the best. It was just in the late 1990s, just before the internet bubble collapsed. So I came back to the university and uh, pivoted my career in the sense that I started to research into early stage company financing decisions and issues associated with that. 
as a result of that, then I've had the opportunity to be involved with a number of good programs at the University of Calgary. I've been involved with our director's education program, so I learned about effective governance in many contexts, predominantly large publicly traded corporations, but enabled to pivot that and understand the implications for early stage technology companies. And so a few years ago, the uh, University of Calgary adopted the Creative Destruction Lab program. It's called the Creative Destruction Lab Rockies program. I was the first site lead for that program and built the team. And now we have a wonderful ecosystem around that program where we have great investors, mentors who come in and provide guidance to early stage technology corporations and has also provided educational opportunities for our students. I continue as the academic director of that program. So we have MBA students engaged with the CDR Rockies program and we draw from our different MBA programs. So I have daytime MBA students, evening MBA students, accelerated MBA students, executive MBA students, and to create an ecosystem around the province of Alberta, we this year have 20 University of Alberta MBA students. It's actually the third year we've got U of A students engaged and the numbers have gone from seven in the first year up to 20 this year. So we're quite happy about the fact that this CDL Rockies program is drawing both companies, mentors, investors, as well as students from across our province. And in fact, this year we expanded to include the University of Saskatchewan into our program as well. So it's been a nice journey. I get to see a lot of wonderful people, meet a lot of wonderful people in my, my time here. And it's nice to think that we're having an impact on the entrepreneurial ecosystem here in Alberta. Oh, for sure. That's, that's really exciting. So I got a few, I got a whole bunch of questions. So, um, First of all, and, and this is maybe not the most intelligent question, but I've always wondered, and I've never asked the question, where does the Haskane School of Business fit in with the University of Calgary? Like, how does that work? Oh, no, that's fine. We're a faculty within the university system. There's a number of other faculties, engineering, arts and science and medicine and so on. So each faculty is self-contained in the sense that we offer programming we offer other kinds of opportunities out into the community, but we coordinate on many different activities. And so as an example, we have within the Haskane School, the Hunter Center for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. And it was uh, funded a few years ago by the Hunter family and was set up to provide entrepreneurial thinking education to all of our BCom students. It was so successful that the Hunter family provided another donation to the university proper, and we now have the Hunter Hub throughout the university. And so we share ideas with that organization. So we have thought leaders in entrepreneurship in the Haskane School, and we coordinate with the other faculties on this initiative. So, for example, one of my colleagues, Dr. Alice DeConing, has come up and shepherded a program through called a Certificate in Entrepreneurial Thinking, which is a a program that is across the whole university. And so, you know, we're just part of a bigger community in the Haskane School and, and we work collaboratively with the other faculties. Great. Thank you for clearing that up for me. Now, one of the other questions I had that just popped into my head was, do you have, uh, and I'm sure you do have plenty, but is there any like bright light shining success stories that have come out of the, the programs that you're working in? Um, the, well, the Creative Destruction Lab Rockies program is the one I'm most familiar with right now. And there's a couple of companies that have done very well. Have uh, uh, We started that program three years ago. So a couple of companies you could look up would be a company called Sensor Up, which was started by Dr. Steve Liang out of uh, engineering school at the, at the University of Calgary and, and provides IoT solutions and a platform for IoT solutions. And it's got 
some real traction around the world. So he's been a success story for us. Another company called Swirltex. I, I like that company a lot uh, for a number of different reasons. I actually am an angel investor in that company. So uh, full disclosure, <laughs> but the uh, a person who's the CEO right now is one of our executive MBA graduates and is in one of my classes. And she was in the CDL Rockies program as a student and, and got excited about this opportunity and joined the company as the chief operating officer and now has transitioned to be the chief executive officer and has done doing wonderful things. So these are early stage. It could be a number of years before anything comes out of what they are, but they're, they're trying to make a difference in the world and they're getting traction with customers. And so you know, three years is a short window to assess the success of a program or to assess the success of a corporation, but we're on a good trajectory here. Uh, the numbers, and I, I apologize, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think to date, the CDR Rockies program has helped raise about $45 million of equity capital for these early stage companies in Alberta and, and across the world. That's actually. fascinating. Now, we don't, as the university, we don't actually at this point in time, uh, help those companies and the investors figure out what a good deal looks like. That's up to them. We just provide a utility where they get to meet in our room and get the opportunity to, you know, get to understand more about each other. So we, we add value that way. There is a new program that just started this year. It's called the UCED program, U-C-E-E-D. And that's an early stage program where the university is making direct investments into some science-based companies, predominantly in the medical space. And we've just started a program with our BCom students where they're now part of a process of monitoring a part of that fund and making direct investments. So we're trying to help create the next generation of early stage investors through this program. So I, th I think we've, we've got some wonderful opportunities for students and we believe it's going to make a big difference in the community over the next year, few years. That's awesome. That is brilliant. When, uh, when you said that uh, the, the program is sort of spreading entrepreneurship across the university. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, the Hunter Hub is the, the main conduit for that to take place. There's these pockets of entrepreneurship in many of the faculties, engineering, medicine, science, even in the arts faculty, there's some very entrepreneurial uh, engaged individuals. And so entrepreneurship is not necessarily just about trying to create the next new startup that's gonna change the world. It's about thinking about the world differently. And one of the areas that we've added, for example, is the whole area of social entrepreneurship and making an impact in society by giving back and trying to make the world a better place. So there's different ways students and faculty can get engaged in these kind of initiatives. Well, that's great. That's that's great. Uh, so then, oh, yeah. So across the university, like I said, it's so the Hunter Hub acts as this coordinating facility within the university. They've got a collision space in the bottom of McEwen Hall where students and faculty can come together and, and interact. They run competitions where students get the opportunity to have their ideas vetted by seasoned business professionals. We have in the Haskane School through the Hunter Center, we've got the RBC Fast Pitch Competition where students provide business plans and they come up with ideas and then they compete with each other to try and win money through this program that'll allow them to get started on their venture. So there's a lot of early seed type investment opportunities and wonderful uh, wonderful companies coming out of the, those initiatives. And again, they're not just coming out of the business school. They come out of all of the different faculties at the university. Yeah. That, Jeff, I had no idea that all that was going on. That's really, really exciting. So Michael, while we were uh, off mic, uh, you had mentioned a little bit about uh, 
your passion and focus on governance in the ecosystem. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Oh, thank you for asking. That is an area of interest and passion of mine. I think that governance is a critically important aspect of developing an early stage corporation. And I've been teaching in the director's education program, but running the director's education program for the last 15 years at the Haskane School, which helps provide guidance and education to people who want to be directors of large publicly traded corporations, typically, or senior not-for-profit corporations. And we don't have the time in that program to get down and talk about the nuances of early stage corporate governance. And what's interesting about that is that you're dealing with private companies that have different types of securities, different types of investors. There's a negotiation that goes on between the entrepreneur and some of these investors, such as venture capitalists. So it's a dynamic area. And I, I ran an experiment this year and wanted to find out if there was interest in learning more about this governance problem in early stage corporations. So we created a course specifically designed to address that. It's called the Private Equity Governance Course. And we offered it in Calgary here in the winter of 2020. So probably about nine months ago, we started that program. And it was kind of interesting because what we wanted to do was bring together the entrepreneurs that were looking for guidance as to how they could build an effective corporation together with seasoned corporate directors who are interested in understanding more about the, the challenges of governance in these early stage corporations to see if through that process of mixing of those two audiences, we could create some opportunities both for the entrepreneurs and for the directors. And quite happy to see that that program was well received by the participants. We did a touch point with participants about six months after the program had been held in, we found that a number of the entrepreneurs had been able to raise capital. They'd been able to restructure their business activities so they're able to raise capital. And some of the directors were able to be adding value to some of these corporations. So I think the experiment worked quite well. So we're gonna run it again in the winter of 2021 and see if we can get some more interest in the community and potentially take this uh, to other cities across the country. If, if, if it works well in Calgary, we think we've got something that could work elsewhere. So there's not a program like this across Canada. And it, it's nice that we have the people in the city that are willing to take a chance on a new program like this. That's great. And you had mentioned that you had written something up about this. Uh, uh, we could share the link to that in the show notes as well. Oh, thank you. Yes, it was an article I wrote for The Conversation, which is a publication that is written by academics, but is written in a practitioner manner so that it should be something that people can understand. And I'm happy to provide that link to you after this. Perfect. The programs at the Haskane School of Business and your programs, are they uh, sort of night courses or full-time uh, university courses or can, and can, you know, can anyone sign up for them? Kind of you maybe clarify that a little bit. Well, certainly some of the programs like the creative destruction lab Rockies program is a degree program. It's built into our MBA program. So you have to be one of our MBA students to enroll in that. The UC program, which I mentioned, which deals with our BCom students again, is just for students who are registered in that kind of a program. So it's for credit students only on a, on a, if an entrepreneur is interested in learning more about these things or just wants to understand a bit more about it, we do have executive education courses that are available that provide that kind of insight, smaller uh, learning opportunities as opposed to taking a whole degree. Uh, we have programs available through the Hunter Hub as well, which is, again, domiciled in the first floor of the McCune Hall on the main campus. And there's other organizations within town that have wonderful educational programming as well. So Platform Calgary would be the most 
obvious example of a great organization that has program developed for entrepreneurs that want to reach out and learn more about how they can get support. And my, my premise with the governance program is that entrepreneurs get so caught up in the problem of, you know, building their product, testing their product, trying to come up with a viable business model, which is critically important if they're going to be successful. But sometimes they forget about the fact that they have to attract employees, attract capital and build an organization that's sustainable across time. One of the other initiatives I'm doing now is actually I'm doing a series of interviews with people because I want to create more educational materials, maybe write a book that will capture some of these problems and some of these guidance that can be provided to early stage entrepreneurs so that they will overcome these issues. Because in many cases, I've interviewed some lawyers who say, you know, some of these problems if people don't pay attention to them early on when they start their corporation. I'll give you an example. Here's an example. Uh, I've seen situations where three friends come together, they're all gonna work together, collaborate and try and build this corporation. And then after a few months, it gets tough. You know, they're having difficulties, they have some fights and one of them goes, that's it, I'm out of here. And you've got one person walking away with a third of the company. And when you go out to raise capital, people go, well, where's that one third of the, per- the shareholder? And you go, well, he, he left and you go, well, we're not gonna support an organization like that. You gotta get those shares back from that person before we're willing to support it. So. These are just examples of of problems that could occur for an early stage entrepreneur if they're not careful about things. The the cost of structuring business activities properly is not that high. And one of the lawyers talks about he gets a lot of work from what he calls pay me later files, where, you know, if somebody had spent the time up front and done it properly, they wouldn't have to pay him at that point in time. And it costs a lot more to fix mistakes. And sometimes you just can't undo those mistakes. Right. Yeah, I think... uh one of the mistakes that I made in the past was uh, when I set up one of my first companies, um, I think we, we put it in uh, like a hundred shares. <laughs> and so, um, you know, in, if you're going to grow, if you're going to expand in the future and you want to bring on uh, equity shareholders and do all kinds of financing and different rounds of financing and all that, you need like a million shares. And when you, when you go, you can't just go, oh, well, now we're going to convert 100 to a million because then the, the CRA goes, uh, hello, uh, you guys just made a lot of money right now. What, you know, what are, what are we going to do about that? So that was kind of a, it's one of those little learnings. I was thinking this is, this is a really fascinating topic for me specifically, but do you have any other little uh, tidbits that you, you know of uh, like that, that? That maybe if someone's starting a, or thinking about starting a new business, maybe they they should have some pointers to maybe just think about before they uh, go too far. Well, that gets into the types of agreements that you want to have early on. So there, what you want to have is you want to have what's called a vesting agreement. So that if one party leaves the corporation, they don't get to keep their shares. You only get to keep your shares if you stay for a period of time. Usually it's a long period, like five years. And there's sort of a timed vesting. So if you leave after one year, you get one fifth of your shares. That's an example. Also, a founder's agreement that just very carefully lays out who are the founders, what are their different roles, how much capital are they going to invest, how much time are they going to spend. One of the things you tend to find as well is you have you know two friends get together and say, we're going to be co-CEOs and we're going to jointly run this company and we're going to jointly make decisions. And ultimately, you get to a point where you know there's a, a disagreement. And how do you resolve that disagreement? And I know I mentioned before, I worked in the venture capital industry. We would not invest in a company where there was co-CEOs. We want one person who's responsible for making that decision that we can hold accountable for the execution of that decision. So 
you know, those are simple examples. We, we had one recently in the, in the CDR Rockies program where the company had some difficulties along the way and had some issues around their intellectual property and getting it uh, correctly moved into the corporation from outside. Typically, it's from a university context. And this is not a Canadian university. It's a different university. But we, the entrepreneur is in the room and tells the audience that, uh, that entrepreneur, they only own uh, 40% of the company. The lawyers that were hired to try and help now own 60% of the company. And these are the common shares. So obviously that's extremely valuable in a corporation. And all the investors in the room are going, okay, well, we're never going to invest in this situation. So unless that entrepreneur can go back and convince the lawyers that they have to own a much smaller percentage of the company, this company is not going to go anywhere. So the equity in a corporation is extremely valuable. And an entrepreneur has to know when to give it out and who to give it out to. So a good example would be if you're trying to get advisors, there are some pretty standard templates around there to attract an advisor. And typically you give them some percentage of equity, like less than 1% to have them come and provide you with some guidance. And then going back to the idea of governance, as you build your board of directors, if you want to attract seasoned directors that can help you really accelerate the development of your business, you're going to have to give them some other percentage of your shares. And as you bring on key employees, you give them shares, but you don't give them out too, too much up front, but you don't want to give away too few because if you don't give away any, you're not going to attract these people. So that's a fine balance for an entrepreneur to work themselves through, figure out how many shares should I give away at this point in the development of the company? How many should I give away? And I say give away. I don't mean that as if it's, you know, it's for free. Obviously, it's to attract these talented people that come support them. Brilliant. That's, that's really brilliant. I was just wondering, going forward now, because you've been doing this program for a lot of years, is there anything that you maybe haven't tackled yet? Like maybe something that you think there's still a missing, a missing hole uh, that, that you would like to fill? On the CDL Rockies program specifically or any program? No, any program. Very yeah. good question. I talked to you before about the idea about social entrepreneurship, about an entrepreneur trying to do good things for society, as well as having a for-profit corporation. So it's not a not-for-profit. There still is a profit motive, but it's not the driving motive of the corporation. And we've had good examples of that in Alberta here just recently. If you saw Benevity Corporation, which is a B Corp, which is a, a kind of a organization that has established itself and wants to certify that it's going to be doing public good as well as, you know, offering profits to its shareholders was uh, valued at over a billion dollars. And so it is possible to create a corporation that is mm -hmm. in the public sphere, raises capital from shareholders and still grows to a significant size and has a mandate that is bigger than just providing sure uh, value to shareholders. So we have the Trico Foundation for Social Entrepreneurship and the Haskane School recently set up organization. And that is to provide education to our MBA students and our undergrad students with respect to this type of an organization and this type of thinking. And you're seeing some of our younger students are having that idea that a corporation has to be there for more than just to create profits. There is a purpose element to it. And you're actually seeing that come around to some of the larger corporations as well. Some of the large institutional investors are starting to talk about this concept of purpose as a, a key element of what a corporation exists for. So I think we've got some work to do around creating more awareness of this form of organization, the Benefit Corporation and the B Corp specifically, but also just that whole mindset about how it's possible to be an entity that is trying to do 
good things for society, but can still worry about trying to make a profit for shareholders. So I think we have some work to do there. I think within the university proper, we want to think about this path that can occur for talented scientists, engineers, medical students. There's a large number of our PhD students in these different faculties who are not going to get academic positions. There's just not that many academic positions available. And so what we're trying to do with some of this programming is to see, let them see different opportunities to help create a company and maybe work with one of their research scientists, maybe their PhD supervisors say, we have a wonderful world-class technology here. How do we turn it into a world-leading corporation? So that's part of what we're trying to do with the work at the Hunter Hub and then with the CDL Rockies program. We're making some traction there, but there's still some work to be done as well. Okay, that's that's fantastic. This is really exciting. And we'll try and put some links in the show notes for all of these great, uh, you know, like the the Hunter Hub and all this other stuff that you've been speaking about. Now, before we wrap up, Michael, is, is there anything else that uh, you would like to mention or chat about that I didn't bring up? This is an interesting topic, and I, I, I'm going to go off script here a little bit. I, I, there's, we're having a debate within our area, the entrepreneurship area in the Haskins School, about what is our role and, and what can we do to help entrepreneurs. And there's been some research done on this at Stanford University. They've done this for a number of years in their engineering school and their business school. And there's two key things that we can do, I think, to really help entrepreneurs. The first is to make people aware of what a difficult, how difficult this journey is. And I've, I mentioned before, I'm working on developing some teaching materials. One of those elements of teaching materials is the idea about the mental health issues associated with becoming an entrepreneur and the strain and stress that you will be under as you undertake that, that, that path. And so some of the direction I provide to people is to make sure that you have built a support network around yourself before you undertake that journey. And that includes at a personal level, you know, in terms of family health, your, your physical health, your mental health. But then also as you go further, you need help to build your business. So that's where I talked before about advisors and, and then potentially directors to help you as you build your business. So one of the ways you can help entrepreneurs is make them think carefully about whether this is the career path they should really be pursuing. The second piece is to help people avoid mistakes. And that's what I talked before about some of those issues around making sure there's effective governance. And governance is a broad topic, and it isn't just about a board. It's about creating a sustainable organization and a corporation if you're dealing in the for-profit sector. And so the message I have is that, you know, be very thoughtful about, you know, this journey. Don't think it's all going to be sunshine and roses and that, you know, you're going to be the next Facebook or Google, you know, within a couple of years. It's it's tough, tough slogging. The the chances of success are, are pretty low. And unless you build that network around yourself, the chances are close to zero. And that you just want to make sure that you have the right mindset as you enter into that journey. So, so those are a couple of takeaways. Those are things I'm learning as I'm out talking to people in the ecosystem. And I, I think it's nice to have that part of the message out there as well. Absolutely. That is great advice. And uh, I think you said something really, really important that it Becoming an entrepreneur as as important as, as it is and how Alberta is starting to have this sort of foundation of, of innovation and startups. And we're really pushing that as, as a community. But at the same time, there's a there's a strong mental health side of things. And it's a slog, like you said. It's 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 a hard thing to become an entrepreneur. It can be extremely rewarding, even if you don't become the next Facebook, to have a, a really 
excellent small business employing people and being and earning money is a great thing all by itself. But uh, yeah, you have to be, I think I'm really glad you said that because it's a really important point and a great way to kind of wind down this episode today. The the only piece I'll add to that too is, and there I was talking more specifically about the CEO, the, Mm -hmm. the point person in this exercise, the person in charge of all these things. And there are wonderful opportunities for all kinds of people from different backgrounds. So arts graduates, communications graduates, you know, science graduates, engineers, whatever. We always think of entrepreneurial work in early stage companies as just needing engineers or scientists, but they need all kinds of support. They need people to help them build their HR function, people to help them with their communications. So there's wonderful opportunities for people from different backgrounds to get engaged with these startups. And, you know, if you're not the CEO, you're not going to face that same stress that I've just talked about here. I mentioned before, I was the fourth employee of an early stage technology company. And I was able to, you know, work away and do my day to day and have a good life and be comfortable with what I was doing. I didn't feel the same pressure that the CEO would face. So I just want to make that distinction. So I'm not trying to scare people off from being involved with startups <laughs> or from, you know, thinking that this is a great career path for them. I'm just saying, if you're the one that wants to start this, be very careful about that. Good. Excellent. Good. Great clarification. Well put. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time today to have a chat with me. I really appreciate it. I think there's a lot of valuable information in this episode and uh, it was really great having you on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. All right, everybody tune in for next week and we'll have another show for you as well. And uh, please go back and listen to previous episodes and uh, share the podcast with your friends. Uh, We're growing, we're approaching uh, episode 100 here coming up in January. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, Take care, everybody, and uh, see you next week. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by Community Now Magazine. Engage, inspire, educate together. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.